everyone. My name is Carissa. And I'm Serena. Welcome to Depth Perception. Carissa and I are two friends living in Chicago who got together to create a safe space for interrace conversations about race, gender, capitalism, current events, and how they intersect with our own lives. Yep. We started this when we realized there isn't enough space for or discussion between women of color. So we decided to make it for ourselves. Alright, hello friends. That's what I'm calling our audience members for now. <laughs> hello. Friends. Um, so last episode we talked about COVID-19 um, and hate crime, self-care, kind of what we've all been going through in relation to that. Um, and I think this episode, Carissa and I wanted to talk about a huge political movement that has been um, happening kind of back to back almost or amidst each other. Um, and that is regarding the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, of course, we're going to go beyond that as well. Talk about um, violence, police brutality against um, Black and Brown persons in America as a whole. But um, we would love to get Carissa's perspective today and have a conversation between us. Yep. Great. So, yeah, I actually really appreciated this. This was Serena's idea um, after our last episode, or actually right before our episode, just to be able to highlight something that my community is facing, which I really, really appreciate. So I want to throw that out there. Um, and so basically, I wanted to also just say thanks for giving me space to share my experience. Um, as another BIPOC or BIPOC, which is what we're saying nowadays, <laughs> especially mm -hmm. as a Korean American. So both of us want to be really clear that this shouldn't be the one thing you listen to to actually learn about the Black Lives Matter movement or allyship in general. So throwing that out there. Yeah. Um, and Carissa, I am always happy to listen to um, your thoughts, and I feel honored to um, be here today. Um, and to hear you share and for us to grow together. Yeah. Um, and yeah, for audience members, our friends, <laughs> uh, we do hope you learn from this conversation, um, but it really isn't supposed to be educational material um, at its core. Uh, this is first and foremost a safe space for us um, to explore ideas, concepts, and current events with each other as people of color. And um, if anything, we want to be a safe space for you guys to and um, an example. Um, so I guess I'm curious, Carissa, if we could talk about um, just start off with what the Black Lives Matter movement means to you, and also if you could talk about how it's changed throughout the years. Yeah, great question. Um, so first, I'll give a very, very brief background on what the Black Lives Matter movement is. So in actually 2013, um, there were three black female organizers um, named Alicia Garza, Patrice Coolers, and Opal Tometi uh, created a black-centered political, they call it a will and movement building project, and they called it hashtag Black Lives Matter. And it was actually in response to the acquittal of Trayvon Martin's murderer, George Zimmerman. So the project is now, uh, or the movement, 
a member-led global network of more than about 40 chapters all over. And basically what happens is members organize and they build um, together local power to intervene in violence inflicted on black communities. And that's by the state or by vigilantes, by, you know, private groups, things like the KKK or other really radical groups um, that are attacking Mm -hmm. the black community. So um, I would say it's important to keep that in mind that this is more of actually a social issue than a political issue. So I guess that's a segue into my perspective. Mm -hmm. I have, through the years um, of growing up and really starting to be involved in the Black Lives Matter movement um, and just supporting the black community as a black woman, it's been a lot. So it's been a huge learning experience for me. Yes, I'm black. You know that from looking at me, I have Mm -hmm. my own personal black experience, but I don't think I really realized how important it was going to be for me to stand up for myself and for my community until, um, actually, I wasn't going to share this story, but it's coming to mind. So I think I should. Um, When I was actually, um, I think it's eighth grade, eighth grade or ninth grade, I was helping in a church program. And I was doing some volunteering with little kids. That's what I did a lot when I was in middle school and high school. And I had this friend who I would see who was white. Um, we were She was a year younger than I was. Um, and we would always volunteer together, hang out, talk, text each other during the week. And I would say we were decent friends or as good friends as you have in, like, eighth grade. Um, right. And <laughs> I just remember – when it was right before Martin Luther King Jr. Day and we were just talking about having school off and what we were going to do and I always volunteer. I volunteered a lot in high school, middle school and I was going to participate in a march. That's a good student. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, more or less. And I was asking her what she was going to do for the day and she said, nothing. It's just not important. And I was like, oh, what? And she was like, Mm -hmm. yeah. I really just don't know why we have Martin Luther King Jr. Day off of school. It really shouldn't be a holiday. And oh, wow. 13-year-old me, I was like, what? I was so confused. I was so shocked. And she was like, yeah, I just don't think it should be a holiday. It's not that big of a deal. And oh it's really God. just not that important. And it's really old. And she literally went on a rant. She was like 12. And she went on a rant about how it wasn't important. And it wasn't that Girl. serious, and the civil rights movement was a long time ago, and I was shocked. I literally couldn't say anything, old. right? Oh my um, gosh. And I didn't. I literally didn't say anything. All I said, I, all I said was, "Well, I think it's important." And to which I don't even know if she heard that, and that was it. Mm-hmm. That was the conversation, and I just remember being so struck with this sense of I didn't know that people my age from this progressive movement the end of the millennials beginning of Gen Z thought that Mm -hmm. way and Mm. it really just shook me because I had just started to get into like feminist literature and I was like yes I'm a feminist like this is what I want to do like I want to fight for the rights of women and I literally Mm. remember crying in my room thinking about I can't do this I don't have time for that. I have to care about being black and be like helping mm. my own community. Like I have to do that before I can be a woman and help the feminist movement. And obviously I was like 13, wow. so don't judge me for my thinking, but it was an either or. 
And I just remember after about a year or two, I made a a definitive decision in my early high school years that I was going to fight for the needs and rights of my ethnic community, my racial community, over being a woman and being a feminist and fighting for my gender rights and for equality in that way. And I, it was emotional, (laughs) but... I think that's just Mm. something that people don't think about that often, which is why I wanted to share that it's really, it's not just unique to my experience, but it's something I wanted to point out because oftentimes if you are at an intersection, let's talk about intersectionality a little bit. I am both (laughs) black, a racial minority, black American, an ethnic minority, and I am also a woman. So I'm not technically a minority in that sense, but we definitely Mm -hmm. don't, have equal footing as women internationally in the way that we should, right? And so that was just something where I had to grow into that when I was in college and even after college of what does it mean for me to be a black woman and to care about women issues and health issues and community issues and how environmental racism affects both of those things and kind of just going from there. So that's kind of been my beginnings up until now briefly about what's been going on with me and how I've seen the Black Lives Matter movement and how it's changed for me. And I think through the years, I I definitely remember when Trayvon Martin was murdered, that was horrifying for me. And that's when I officially became afraid for both of my brothers. I have two older brothers who are just the kindest people that you will meet constantly going out of their yeah. way to help anyone of any race yep. of any I know Josh. ethnicity yeah <laughs> Josh and Jay nice they, yeah yeah nice exactly <laughs> yeah. right and just being afraid for their life like yeah. being afraid for yeah. their lives and not wanting them mm. to go to the store and wanting them not to get gas for the car and wanting me to do that even though I'm a woman yeah. and that's not necessarily safe for me to do it like 1 a.m being like no you shouldn't go like I should go right like the chances like of me both, being assaulted like, are slimmer than the chances of you being murdered, you know? <laughs> and it was just so, really difficult yeah. for me. So that's kind of my experience. I don't know. That's a hodgepodge of emotions and twists and turns and lots of downs. Um, but that's really yeah. what shaped me and what's encouraged me to look into, hey, what does it look like to be an advocate for my own community and I keep saying like fight for the Black Lives Matter movement and people have a problem with the word fight because it's like why you have to be so aggressive whatever for those people let's not use the word fight let's use the word support (laughs) and (laughs) be an ally or arbitrary exactly exactly um for the black community because there are problems and it's not something you can just deny anymore if you do it's just you want to be ignorant that's okay um or it's not but it's a thing so that's kind of been my experience I'm curious about you though Serena like (laughs) what has been your experience as someone who moved to the states as a young child from Korea and being Korean American and growing up multi-ethnic like not multi-ethnic but like multicultural right so like growing up with different cultures and coming to the U.S and experiencing all of these things that you hadn't experienced when you were really, really little, what has that mm-hmm. been like for you? Yeah. Um, 
You mean like in the in the states, like in particular? You know, actually, I'm just curious overall. What's your experience <laughs> as a non-black person of color in regards to the mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter movement? Like, how oh, have you yeah. personally experienced that? And then also, thank you. I totally missed the went over my head. <laughs> no, you're good. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I was kind of dabbling on. Yeah, just what has been your experience as an individual, and then also how have you seen your community, I would say specifically Korean-American, and then also Korean um, national communities responded to, like, the Black Lives Matter movement, or Black people in general? (laughs) Yeah. um, I would, yeah, I would love to go into that. Um, Before, I wanted, did want to say, like, it was, like what you just said, I feel like it's such a good representative like example of like a lot of these, you know, personal developments with like race and gender does really feel like, or even sexuality at times, right? Um, right. Like you're moving through a swamp <laughs> and right. you're just like walking in rain boots, but like you run into like sludge and mud and like uh, freaking alligators and, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's an uphill battle um and so I really respect that and like I my heart goes out to little Carissa as she's figuring out all this um thank you so thank you for sharing that Mm -hmm. thank you for Um, listening yeah so okay this is a really complicated answer um yeah once again Another reminder why this podcast cannot cover all the materials <laughs> uh, needed to really understand all this. But right. so I would say Korean American or my personal experience. Um, so I think, you know, as I shared like with you before, I definitely had like a racial lens uh, mm-hmm. just in terms of race was like, a really big deal for me growing up and mm-hmm. I saw me as my race and other people as their race like um, a lot of times it was like white and then non-white was how I dichotomized it but um, so like white people were scary kind of thing but I think right. like that gave me like an at least like even if I didn't understand systemic racism you know what that means all that entails right. I think I definitely had, like, going in, racism is real, and, like, what it does to a person and a community mm-hmm. is not okay, you know? Right. Um, so I think with the Black Lives Matter movement, my first exposure was freshman year of college, and um, it was that fall, like, November that Michael Brown um, Hmm. in yeah that um, yeah Michael Brown's murder was it just exploded and um, was like on the news and I remember like the women on my floor of my dorm um, particularly my small group leader at the time because I was I joined like an Asian American small group kind of thing um she was really really involved with like racial justice issues like on campus and um I think it was really helpful having her lead but she was like hey guys let's get together let's watch 
uh, this and like talk about it. Hmm. And like, I just remember sitting there and like looking at the screen, understanding what's happening and just feeling so many emotions. Hmm. Um, and like, that was really the first time where I was like, oh my God, a guy got killed by a man and like obviously hmm. from my perspective, like I think he was killed, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, like murder. Like murder. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, right. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. And uh, let's see. And then I just started like seeing all the protesters being like shot with rubber bullets, and I was like, "This is horrible." And I don't give myself credit for feeling any of those things at all. Um, I think that's like should be the response, right? Like this is not okay. And um, but. It took years after that, like, to get to a place where I really understood that big picture um, and to go into, like, how other Asian Americans have been um, my interactions with them regarding this Black Black Lives Matter Mm -hmm. have been. I lost a mentor that same fall. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was that same night that Michael Brown, like, that we watched the news about Michael Brown, I, call, like, Facebook messaged a mentor from high school. And he had been someone that, like, I really looked up to intellectually, spiritually, and, like, I would always ask him questions about, you know, the world, theology, whatever. And this time, I was so emotional, and I just started kind of rambling, and I was like, I can't believe that, like, this police officer murdered this man and, like, he shouldn't, like, and it shows that, like, police officers are human, too, and, you know, they can kill people. Mm -hmm. And, like, it's just so awful what's happening, blah, blah, blah. And, like, this is all just, like, you know, my intuition, I guess. Mm -hmm. And this mentor who I found out, then and then years after that he's like really really conservative um he's like in the military now oh wow was like murder you know police officers don't murder people and he's asian he's korean Hmm. um he's like murder is such a strong word like how could you say that i'm so Hmm. disappointed in you and wow you said yeah and i told him like you know, and I haven't read the indictment, so, like, I don't know. And he was like, you said you haven't read, you know, the court papers. Like, how could you say that it's murder? Like, all that kind of stuff, which we know now. We can't even trust the court papers, really. (laughs) But, yeah. So, after that, um, we basically burned bridges, and, like, it was kind of awful. Um, because then he just started to, it just got really personal, and I don't really want to, you know, go too into detail with that. Right. But basically, like, with my experience, I think on a personal level, like, it really, like, I kind of went in with, like, the understanding that race can exist to understand, like, to what extent and how, like, Asian Americans fit in, you know, like, as a person who experienced, you know, racism. And then also recognizing, like, oh, my God, this is a whole nother aspect that I've been blind to. 
Hmm. And that like a lot of Asian Americans, frankly, like just don't have access to either. Hmm. Or if we're being less gracious, like don't care to, you know? Hmm. So you feel like that, like, what do you think changed your perspective? Because that was one of your mentors. Like, mentors are supposed to be people who are helping frame and form the way you think about certain things um, and really encourage you on your pursuit or the path that you're on, whether that's career-wise or personally, whatever that might be. And having people like that and others in your own community or your own circles, not necessarily your ethnic community or racial community, but your circles and your community who think differently, Mm -hmm. how was it that you came to have a different perspective than some of those people? For sure. That's a great question. Um, So I think it, I think I have to, my gratitude (laughs) um, goes towards, honestly, like half towards like black men and women in Wheaton, where I went to school, who, like Dr. Alicia Hawkins, um, I like took one of her classes when she was still at Wheaton. Um, mm. she, st- she was a black woman who taught like political science. Um, like even just being in a space led by her, reading papers like guided by her. Mm. Um, even if like at first I was like, what? Like I didn't know that prisons were so unjust. Mm. Can I believe this? Like, it really started with that. Like, I was so skeptical at first. Like, oh, I don't not trust her, but, like, can I believe this? Like, is she too radical? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Right. Because I was so used to, like, just not being in that space. Or, uh, yeah, like, I think I don't want to, uh, yeah, go into too much, too many examples, but that was really important, mm. just being led by, like, those men and women, um, reading, like, the New Jim Crow together, stuff like right. that. And then um, also, I think, my friends, <laughs> um, that guy is kind of, like, an anomaly. I think my friends who are also, like, Asian American, like, I have been blessed because they show initiative and being like okay guys this shit is happening like let's talk about this you know so yeah um just having that community who are willing to learn is yeah they've both been like two ways that i've Hmm. been able to um change my perspective and grow and learn Know the truth. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like yeah. being in communities of people with differing thoughts has helped yeah. shift and form your perspective, but it's not exactly that you have the same thoughts or perspective as those people, but it's shifted based on having a diverse community, diverse meaning, diversity of thought and understanding of the mm-hmm. world and education. Yeah, that was beautiful. 
you. Thank you. That was beautiful. Thank you for sharing. I think <laughs> I think now it's leading into our break. We're gonna take a break. Um, but we'll be back in just a couple minutes. Yeah, wow. Well, let's do it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let's do Sounds good. Or should we not? Okay, bye. No, we will. Hello. Welcome to this section of the podcast where we ask each other a silly question for comic relief. Woo! Yay! Okay, <laughs> Chris, this time I wanted to ask you a question that's like half get to know you. Okay. Um, what is one ridiculous goal that you have for your life? Okay. Sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, the definition of ridiculous is like kind of like quirky, far fetched, I'm assuming, right? Yeah. Something like okay. that. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> um, I'm going to say that a ridiculous dream slash goal is kind of a goal. The more I think about it, it's a goal. I don't really think it's that ridiculous, <laughs> but other people think it's ridiculous. But I think it's great. Okay. <laughs> um, so go. I love to you gotta cook believe in yourself first. <laughs> I love to cook and I love to eat and one goal dream I have is to just casually meet up with my favorite chef and cook oh around the gosh. world just like casually mm-hmm. honestly in like Italy or France somewhere where we have like a lot of uh, fresh food um, and then somehow be best wine. friends with them and just like cook and eat and like <laughs> drink wine and just chill um, and, that's beautiful. Oh yeah, that is my dream. And they're wow. like people that I love, like Anthony Porowski, who like I don't know, I just love him from um, what is it, Queer Eye, and just like other people that are oh, kind of Anthony. random. Yes, yeah, Anthony, yeah, yeah. I love him oh, so much. And then I'm going to butcher her name, but it's uh, Chef Samine Nostra. I'm going to say that. Yes, yeah. yes, the chef from Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. Yes, I love She's her so, so much. She just loves I actually did watch a... Uh, passion. Yeah, I did watch an episode from Netflix uh, by her. And I also watched her make a giant tuna sandwich. Like, so good. She, like, made her own mayonnaise. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, this girl makes the best tuna sandwich ever. <laughs> Meanwhile, we've never had her food. We've never had Anthony's food. It just looks great, and they're great people. And so you seem like great people. My, exactly. Yes, that is my ridiculous dream. What about you, Serena? Love it. Um, you know, mine is humble but not humble. Um, I really would love in my dream to own a chateau in, like, the south of France or something. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. yes. Um, so I like had a friend who would just casually look up uh, chateaus in Europe, and they're like, I don't know, some of them are like half a billion, you know. It's not like we can do that. Doable. That's doable. That's doable. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like not <laughs> now, not in a But if I like somehow <laughs> start actually making money, um, I would love to do that. Live yeah. A summer life, eating apricots by the trees, going oh. to vineyards with That's my friends. So so much i really do Beautiful. i love that so much yeah well <laughs> if you can to our listeners go ahead and follow those chefs i mentioned especially chef samin she is incredible yeah. and she's really been spotlighting um black american and black in general um chefs and cooks 
and riders for the last few months on her Instagram. So it's just a great way to find people who are amazing at what they do um, on her page. So love her, and hopefully someday she'll listen to this. I am doing that as well. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I love her so much. (laughs) All right, back to the podcast now. guys welcome back um so carissa i wanted to kind of go into our second half of the podcast uh we just talked about history and what happened in our past and like how like our kind of subsequent individual experiences with the black lives matter movement in our communities as well um but let's talk about like right now like 2020 um what has the last year looked like for you and how has know, all the things that you described, like, what has that uh, led to, like, culminated to? How have you been feeling? Great question. Um, I love it. Thank you for asking. Um, <laughs> I think on a really cool note, um, I mean, I guess it's kind of mixed in, up and down, um, yeah. bad and good, but the protests that have been happening since Ahmaud Arbery and George Floyd and Breonna Taylor still me yeah. just there um all those protests recently in the last three four months have really led to something super special that i actually talked to you briefly about but i have been blown away by the amount of support that i have seen particularly from other racial minority groups that i've never seen in support of the black community. So I've seen lots of support from the Latinx community, from women and men, from all different nationalities, um, and then Mm -hmm. also support from the Asian American population, from Korean Americans, from Chinese Americans, um, from Mm -hmm. Chinese and Korean internationals who are living in the States. I have just seen, I've experienced personally from my own friends, a very diverse set of friends, but also just seeing the media and even the protests that I was able to participate in, seeing people march alongside of us, it's it's surreal. I really don't think I can express how much it's meant to me, but it's been really hard, like, be feeling like I'm on this journey by myself and that I have to be on this journey because I'm Black and because I have a voice in my circles. I have to use it well. And I think that's true because, you know, I have that responsibility that I was born with because of the color of my skin and because of the, you know, who I am. And I have that responsibility, yes, but honestly having that support, emotional and physical support from other communities, particularly other minority, racial and ethnic minority communities in the States has been unparalleled. And I've never seen it before. Not a single time with any other death that has happened. I've never seen as much support as I have in these last two yeah, or three months. Yeah, this has been explosive internationally. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, in a positive way, right? That's like in never happened before. We, we've we seen yeah. it blow up negatively of like, oh, those people this and this that and they should just be this or he shouldn't have been resisting or he shouldn't have defended himself mm-hmm. or he shouldn't have looked right and then left. He should have looked right second and not first, yeah. you know, like little things like that. It's just very nitpicky and that's still happening, mind Definitely. you. We're not like we haven't, oh, we've made a bridge and it's perfect and reconciliation. It's not. We're not there. 
but we have made some really important strides. Um, and I just, honestly, I have appreciated that so much. Even you, Serena, honestly, you reaching out to me, like, I mean, both of us obviously reached out to one another, but when we first sat down a couple months ago to talk about possibly doing a podcast together, I just remember you taking the time to ask me how I was doing with all the things going on with the Black Lives Matter movement and with all the protests going on and, you know, the effects of that on me and my family. And I, I was blown away by your question. It's not like we're, we were best wow. friends or anything. That was so encouraging to me. Like, that's why I'm here. Like, that's why I'm doing this podcast <laughs> because of, like, wow. that type of support. So thank you for that that's that's my experience most recently in the last few months um a lot of emotional ups and downs but i've really appreciated Mm -hmm. that support and not just from other racial ethnic minorities like my majority friends have been incredible too and i don't want to you know skip over that i i have seen it and i have noticed it and it it means a lot and there's still a lot more to do Mm -hmm. but I guess what's your experience, Serena? Like, what has all of this culminated to? All of this learning, stretching, growing, changing for you through the years, yeah. especially since college up until now. What's been going on? Twenty twenty. Oh yeah, twenty twenty. <laughs> um, yeah, and I mean, I would probably just start off with like, I mean, you saying I asked you questions, blah blah blah. I would say like, same to you. I was like also blown away by your consideration for like me and what I was going through, like as a non-black POC. Um, and even thinking of like when COVID first started, I was like, Oh my God, I completely, you know, almost just erased it out of my memory, <laughs> you know, but then right? like remembering being like, Whoa, yeah. Like that happened to you. Um, that was really, I think beautiful for me. Um, I would say you know, I think that it was, like, my, what's it called? My journey as, like, uh, like with racism in the United States, it's, it's definitely less, there's less, like, severe oscillation. Uh, mm. Or is it oscillation? Um, oscillation, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Due to... Um, <laughs> due to, like, racial issues in the States. I think just because, like, I've kind of come to a state of, like, will you just expect the worst? And (laughs) not saying, like, I don't care, right? No, it's a sad reality. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's how you cope, you know? You're just, like, um, to some extent, like, I'm not even surprised by, like, really racist people, um, anymore whether I interact with them in person or like I just hear about it right um Oof. I think yeah so we'll last few months though like, oh my gosh yay <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um I did go to like a couple protests but I think like even just the energy of the people like uh I remember in 2016 I would go to protests like Mm-hmm. Um, just because I was like a young political science major trying to like be active, you know, and this mm-hmm. is when like the Syrian um, refugee crisis was kind of like at its height in terms right. of like its visibility. Um, and Chicago was trying to be a sanctuary city. I went to a protest and there were literally like five people. And so 
going to a protest like in the last like couple months um, and seeing, like you said, people from all sorts of backgrounds come together to like support a movement that yes, it is about like black people and like police brutality. And we are angry about like George Floyd and like Breonna Taylor and so many others. But I think it's also like symbolic of like our generation and like the people who are joining the movement beyond our generation want collectively change. And like you said, like it's a moment where I don't feel as alone. Um, mm. I feel like empowered. So yeah, I think that's kind of like my 2020 experience. Um, like you said, like ups and downs as well, but those are my like kind of up <laughs> yeah yeah thank you mm-hmm. for sharing um that's really yeah I think impactful I'm I appreciate hearing that I don't ever want to just get stuck in my own experience or my own you know perspectives on things and so I really appreciate hearing that from you and I think that's really crucial and important for our listeners as well whether they're friends or strangers of us um so Thank you for sharing. Of course. And um, also, I think I wanted to end today's podcast with our conversation today um, by offering, I don't even know if it's offering, but asking you, um, and I will preface it by saying, like, another encouraging thing that's happened recently is, like, incredibly, like, intentional conversations within Asian American communities to Mm. talk about like, bro, what is our role in this? You know? Yeah. I love it. You can, (laughs) yeah, no, it's amazing. But also you can tell it's new. It's a, at least like it's erased from recent memory. It's happened before, but it's new for us. Um, because it's so messy, you know? Mm -hmm. And I guess like in that spirit, like, I want to ask you, and I know you don't speak for everyone. Um, yes. But what do you <laughs> feel you. like is, yeah, <laughs> uh, just like, yeah, it's just one out of many conversations, but what do you feel like is a way that I um, or people in, like, different communities can support, like, you personally and then perhaps even, um, like, Black Americans and, like, what is happening right now right right oof there are like three particular things that I want to like expand on that you just said but also we're running out of time so we're gonna have to save some of those things for next episode um but I think for me personally and I've talked to quite a few people friends and just acquaintances who are also Black American, predominantly I'm talking about, when I say Black American, I'm generally talking about Black people, so that's their race, mm-hmm. and then American as those people generally referred to are as African American because they're from slave descent. So people yeah. whose ancestors have been slaves in the United States of America. So, um, like me. So my blood is definitely like mixed with, I have like 
white and Native American. And I mean, I've done the whole DNA test and everything. And also my great grandmother was Native American and like my great, great grandfather was white, like fully. So like knowing those types of things on both sides, uh, for, for, from, you know, we're not going to go into that either. Anyways, knowing all of that, um, those are the people that I'm referring to. And those are the people who I've asked most recently how they're doing and what is helpful for them. So to everyone listening, whether you are a person of color, uh, an ethnic minority, or whether you're a part of the majority racially or ethnically or whatever it might be, a couple of things that are helpful. I'm going to break it down into just one thing, protest. So in the dictionary, protest means it's a solemn declaration of opinion, and it's usually of dissent. So basically that broken down, it's the act of objecting to something or showing some type of disapproval. This doesn't necessarily mean a march. A march and a protest are not necessarily synonymous. Protests can also be a blog. If you're a blogger, making a blog about this. If you are an Instagram influencer, using that platform to share through a blog or through something else, those are acts of protest sharing how you are not supporting the destruction and the evil really that's going on in society towards towards the black community. So I would say everyone needs to protest. And each of you, myself included, all of us need to figure out the best way to protest. That works with us. I don't think that it's something, and I've heard this before, and it grinds my gears, and it's like (laughs) chalk. It's like nails on a chalkboard. So awful Mm -hmm. when I hear people say, oh, well, that's good for you. You protest, but I'm not going to do anything because that's not not for me, or that's not what I'm called to, or I don't really have a big voice, or I don't do that. And I'm like, hey, if you have a community, which if you're friends with Mm -hmm. me, you do. If you have a community of people, whether it's your family, your immediate family, or extended family, or your college community, or your high school community, or your small group, or whatever it might be, you have communities of influence, and you have a voice, and you need to figure out how to use that. So for me, that's the biggest way that you can help right now. It's finding your own personal voice to protest, to solemnly declare that this is not okay. The way that the black community is being treated on a regular mm. basis for years up until now 2020 where we have hoverboards and iPhones and all of these cool things like this should not be mm. happening and so i encourage you meaning our listeners to find out what it means for you to protest and to educate yourself not just by asking me or serena or another person of color necessarily, you can do that as well. And, you know, don't be mad if they don't want to answer your questions. But also doing your own research. Read a book. Read an article. Read multiple articles from different sources. Don't only read the New York Times. And then don't only read, like, what is the other one? The Wall Street Journal? Like, don't only watch Fox. Don't only watch CNN. Like, what are you doing? Like, obviously, these things are biased. And everyone has their own agenda. Yeah. Right. Right. So that's kind of my PSA slash I really encourage everyone to do this because that's the only way we're going to move forward. And that helps me personally. Like you doing those things on your own, even if you don't reach out to me at all, 
I see that because odds are I'm following you on that platform. I'm reading your blog. I'm doing things. I'm seeing that. And also you're, you know, like racist or borderline racist uncle, aunt, dad, whatever is listening to you as well and keeping up with those things. And they respect what you have to say. So obviously be respectful, but find how you are going to protest because it is your duty. So that's all I have to say about that. (laughs) Yeah, no, I love it. I feel like you, I feel like there was a moment where like, I was like, wow, she is just like on fire right now. That's like, yes. (laughs) You really like lit up when you were talking about that. Um, I feel like that's like a challenge for everyone. And I love that you like expanded protest to like, you can take action and it's like a solemn declaration and whatever platform that is whether you're marching with, like, others or, like, writing a blog, writing an email to your CEO or, like, talking with your aunt and uncle. Like, it can happen. Um, And it's, like, the collective that makes a difference. So thank you for that reminder. Um, Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you for Um, (laughs) And for making space. Um, I really do appreciate that. Girl, you got Yeah, I will make space for you anytime. (laughs) um (laughs) okay guys um this episode we talked about a lot of a lot of heavy things um and i hope regardless that you were able to find comfort in the persistence that uh, that we see in the black community which we heard carissa talk about um and in the hope also in um how we're learning to support each other better in the u.s messy and um it's hard but I think at the end of the day, like, I do have faith um, mm. in us. Yeah. Yeah, and we also hope that each of you really does take the time, whether you are a person of color or an ethnic or a racial minority in the States or if you're international, wherever you are listening to this, whatever you look like, we hope that you take the time to self-educate. There's the Internet. There are other podcasts. Um, there are books, definitely other books and podcasts and things like that that are actually meant to educate and help you with these things. Um, but also give us a follow on social media. Um, you can find our handles or you can shoot us an email um, with your podcast ideas for future episodes. We're actually checking that. So it's depthperception2020 at gmail.com. Okay, sounds good. See you guys next time. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Okay, bye.